Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. We got you there, Joel. Yeah, good morning, Scott. How you doing? Good, buddy. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Or me, I guess. I, uh, no problem. Adam is uh, busy today, so it's nice to have someone to talk to instead of trying to do this alone. <laughs> no worries, buddy. Happy to be here. Um, by chance, dude, before we even get into this, did you see Bryce Harper's check swing? Oh, yeah, 100%. Dude, oh, been watching I... Angel Hernandez failures all night long while I was oh at it. Oh my god, dude! I just loved how Bryce Harper and you could hear him. He's like, "You're always wrong. You're always wrong." I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was amazing. Uh, just one second, I'm just gonna run and grab uh, a glass of water. No, I yeah. Do your thing. Do your thing. Absolutely. All right, so. Uh... Our Patreon folks, hello. Uh, as you may have gathered here, Adam Mack is busy today. So we've got the wonderful Joel. Hey, call me, filling in for him. Very lucky to have him. So excited to talk where we are with this Blue Jays team. Um, I'm in Fernie, BC right now. I had a show here last night, and it was one of the weirder shows that I've done in so long. Uh, it's funny because when I started comedy at 26, I was always worried about the gray hairs at legions. We played a legion last night and, uh, I'm just telling the Patreon here. I'm, I'm in Fernie BC right now. I had this like really weird show at the legion. And like, I always worried when I was younger, a younger comic about legions because of all the old people. And now that I'm like 41, I go in there and dude, it's all 23 year old kids and they're all Australians. And I'm just like, I am worried now. <laughs> it's so weird to have the other side of the spectrum now. I'm like, oh God, I'm old. Am I, are these Gen Zers going to relate at all? And like, oh yeah, man. Uh, I, I I worry about that too. I I worry about that too. That uh, <laughs> all, all the writing and work that I've done and scripts that I've written are already out of date. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is like I don't even know how reference based I am until I have a bunch of foreigners in the crowd and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm making like Canadian references all over my set. <laughs> it's just like going right over their heads. <laughs> no, that's great. All right, buddy. Uh, do you have a heart out here? Like, you know, uh, no, you can, both. you can, we can, we could probably go till I, I could probably go two hours. I, I'm not okay. saying we do. Have to oh, no, we won't. We will. We'll, we'll probably be about an hour here. But uh, all right, dude. Uh, let's get into it here. I'll count us in and we'll uh, start this thing off. Sounds good. In three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the walk off, everybody. I'm Scott Belford, normally joined by the best co host in the biz, Adam Mack. However, he is busy today. So we're very lucky to have good friend of the show, regular on Long Toss. Just an all-around good guy. Uh, Joel, welcome back, buddy. Hey, Kami hey, on TikTok. you got to follow his baseball accounts. He is a uh, just a gem of a baseball mind. Uh, Joel, we're going to talk all sorts of things here. Before we get into it, I know that the writer's strike is coming to an end here. 
Can you fill us in on how this affects you and the fact that you're probably going to be able to get back to work and start uh, moving projects forward? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, The the writer's strike is coming to an end. Apparently, the actor's strike is right around the corner as well. Apparently, in the next three, four days, we're going to be... Hopefully the industry will be back and running the way that it was running, you know, about six months ago, which is is very much needed because we're coming off of COVID. That was also a big shutdown for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Then you go into a kind of self-induced shutdown with the strike. And now we're coming out of that. And hopefully the film industry can run properly and, you know. Get In your opinion, buddy, do you up. think, do you think that with this, with, with COVID and then the strike here, has content quality gone downhill a little bit over the last four to five years? Oh, it feels I, like yeah, it a hundred percent. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it is, it is stopped productions. It's stopped people from like the last three months has stopped people from sitting down and, and conversing about ideas, just getting mm-hmm. things moving. Pretty much everything is at a standstill. For me, it was, um, I had some projects with, you know, pretty renowned production companies and that paused, but luckily that. Happy that, Madison. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Right there. Things are right back and, and running there. I actually have some um even more i don't know how to say it i have some 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 more momentum now than i did actually when the strike did uh some people have come on board since what's happened with baseball over the last you know uh, otani requiring the surgery mm-hmm. DeGrom needing the surgery so the, i'm they, excited man i, I feel yeah. like the world is ready for another baseball movie it's been too long and like with the fact that there is an epidemic of arm injuries that just seems to constantly be swept under the rug when it comes to baseball i love that you've written this tommy john story and i love that uh you know especially with him aging and, and wanting to see it come to fruition in his lifetime and, and, you know, even threatening to pull the rights, not understanding the strike and stuff, you know, I get it. He's 85, but uh, love that it's all coming back together and that it's all back. So congrats on that, man. And fingers yeah. crossed things move forward here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Let's talk some blue Jays here. Big show for everybody. We are going to get into that blue Jays and Yankee series. Adam normally takes the helm on three studs and a dud, but I have uh, dug some stuff up here and we'll talk this week's three studs and this week's dud. AL playoff situation starting to clear up a little. There's still some complicated scenarios, but uh, the blue Jays have definitely put things in their hands. So we'll break that down. And then we'll also break into who we would rather, how do they best line up? Would we rather see them go to Minneapolis? Do we want to uh, exercise some demons in the little trop of horrors? So we'll get your opinion on that. (laughs) Uh, Matt Chapman, honestly, dude, I have been trying to rack my brain of a comparable for a top-end free agent going into his walk year and how much value he has literally taken off of his plate. Like, he has cost himself... I mean, we'll we'll see. He is a Scott Boris client, and obviously he's still probably the top third baseman in the free agent market. That said, I think the thoughts of him getting $200 million and seven, eight years is long gone at this point. We'll also talk the qualifying offer. Uh, and then finally, we'll get into this last three games of the year, Tampa Bay and Toronto. So let's start with the Yankees. So I was on I was on Twitter the other day, Joel, 
And Blue Jays Nation is obviously losing their mind on and off throughout this whole season. 2023 has been frustrating for everybody. And there's a lot of people who constantly are saying the Blue Jays can't hit good pitching. And it's a problem. And friend of the show and analytics expert, in my opinion, Chris Black, had a really interesting breakdown of this. So he went and combed through all the stats and picked up the OPS versus the top 40 starting pitchers this season. Uh, possible playoff teams, right? So Atlanta, and dude, this number blew my mind. Atlanta's OPS against the best 40 pitchers in baseball is still an 818. <laughs> like what? Like literally still elite against elite pitching. Yeah. It just seems unfair. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, the narrative that really Atlanta and the Dodgers are the top of the hill and everything else is far below really, really comes... It shows through in these stats because L.A. is also sitting at a 772, which is pretty darn good against the best. Yeah. And then it's a huge drop. Texas is 710. Houston is 710. Tampa Bay is 695. Minnesota, 685. Miami, 680. Arizona, 668. Seattle, 655. And then Toronto in at 651. Chicago, 651. And then uh, Philly, Cincy. 650, Milwaukee 610, Baltimore 598. Wow, that's that's shocking. Which is something nobody talks about. It's so funny to me how everyone, and this is fan bases, right? You're always looking in at your team and not kind of looking around. There are no real perfect teams in the American League. This, this league is the most wide open I think it's been in years. Just the fact that uh, Texas has been so hot and cold. Houston just refuses i always i i do the analogy of like the the coffin is ready the nails have been in and they're running around without a hammer right they just <laughs> so that means that the jays are 11th out of 15 teams with a shot at the postseason when it comes to elite pitching and if you cut out and, and I mean, I know there's still a lot that can happen, but we're just going to remove the teams that look like they're on the outside looking in. So that's Seattle, Miami, Chicago. You'd be left with the Jays sitting nine out of the 12 playoff teams. Obviously not great. Um, but it does kind of line up with a team that's been league average or slightly above league average offense all year. And I don't think it's quite as... Um, the Achilles heel is everyone's making it out to be. I'm curious your thought on this because you've watched this team all year. They are frustrating against high-end pitching, but I find they're the most frustrating against low-end pitching. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, an, it's an incredibly difficult offense to watch, but at this point in the year, this is our team. And mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people in the fan base are getting really negative. And I've been negative. Yeah. On the team from you know kind of day one on you know my fears that their offense is not going to perform the way that i would have hoped them to have performed but uh, at the same time this is who they are and the the negatives that they have against elite pitching they also oppose the best elite pitching in baseball right so for all those teams that struggle against elite pitching they're going to be struggling most against us dude here's um, a little stat to back that up okay so uh jay's pitchers with 31 plus starts this year, Toronto, so these are teams with 31 plus starts. Uh, Toronto has four pitchers. No team has three pitchers. 
And then Philly, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Seattle, Baltimore, New York Yankees have two pitchers. There's 11 teams with one and 11 teams with zero. Like think about how elite that is, dude. A, a third of the league is at zero. We're at four. There's there's an opportunity that we could have been at five this year if Manila yeah. came back, which would have just been on, you know, I don't know in history of baseball how many teams have been able to do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a situation where, look, I I love the offense. I love the, the punch of a team that can go out there and put up six runs in an inning and, and knock you out of the, the game in a second. But we're, we're a grindy win it with defense, win it with pitching. And if the clutch hitting comes around, we can win it. We can beat anybody. And so it, it's kind of that mentality of, you know, you're disappointed with the offense. You're, you're disappointed when you get shut out back-to-back games uh, to the Yankees. And I'm not saying that those are must-win games. We're still ahead. We still, like, control our destiny. But you don't want to see those shutouts. And, and, and the way that we've been kind of shut out in the last, let's say, 60 games, whereas – the previous, I think, 92, we had gone without being shut out. You know, we had a stretch there going into this year. Where it was like 91 games, they haven't been shut out. And now it seems like in the last 50 or 60, we've been shut out about 15 to 20 times. You know, it's been mm-hmm. staggering how many times we've been shut out as of, as of late. But to their credit, the defense has never stopped and the pitching has never stopped. So we just it's have to... Really- it's really wild when you start looking at the numbers, like even the pitching stat that I just gave you there, where Toronto is like, they've got four pitchers who have come in with 31 starts or more. And then there's nobody at four, nobody at three. Like they are just so above the rest of the league with that. You look at defensive runs safe and it is the same gap, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's Toronto and then it's a few other teams and then it's everybody else. Um so I'm curious where you're at. I, I, I like I liked how you phrased that because we heard Chris Bassett give a very similar speech where he was like, this is the team. We're at 158 games in. This is what this team is going to do. We're going to win on defense. We're going to win on pitching. Do you think there is value in the team truly believing that? Because I didn't get that it was just lip service from Bassett. There was a genuine sense when he was talking that, they believe they can do it with this this team. Do you believe they can do it with this team? Um, clutch hitting is is I feel a very important part of winning in the postseason. Um, just having that bat come up and and hit that big important hit when you need it. And are we in a position where we can trust in that? I don't know. It's it, it, it's. It's very much a position of like, I look through the history of the game and I think about uh, the 1960 Pittsburgh Pirates. This is a, everybody's like, what? Why are you going back, you know, 70 years, 60 years? I go back that far because that team in the World Series against the Yankees, I believe, was outscored by 20 or 30 runs, but won the World Series. That's you right. You can get blown out 10 nothing in game one, then win game two, two, one, one, two, blown yeah. out in game three. And, and, but you end up winning that one run game four times out of seven and you win the world series. Right. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think the series are going to be sexy sweeps where we're just blowing teams out of the water, but can we play a series? Like the, the series that we played against Tampa Bay, where we won, you know, two out of three uh, to, and to bring it to the question of like, you know, Minnesota or um, uh, Tampa, where do you want to play? Seeing us take two out of three against Tampa, where it could have very well been 
a three game sweep, mm-hmm. you know, and probably should have been. Yeah, it very well should have been the three games in Tampa at this point in the year when they were still fighting to to hold that division, right? So yeah. they're fighting for something. And and my my position is that the team that we saw in April, that thirteen and O team that came out, is not this team now. No, it's they're not. they're they're you know struggling to get across the finish line. They have so many injury issues. They have their issues with Wander Franco. There, so it's just like Tampa may be you know, ahead of us and, and teams like Baltimore may, may be ahead of us, but do I still believe we've got pretty much a coin flip chance against them in the playoff series? Yeah, I do. I really, I, I really do believe it. That's the American league. They're, like I look around the American league and outside of Baltimore, who has our number, I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. thinking that they are the be all end all team. They have flaws too. We just talked about their OPS against high end pitching. They're not, off the charts with it now they are far more clutch than the jays have been this year and that's really why they are where they're at um but i do wonder about the big deal that was made out of those two shutouts against the yankees michael king had an incredible game garrett cole is garrett cole he's going to win the side down this year there's no doubt Garrett Cole, Cy Young winner 2023 um i think there is something to be said with just this happens to all teams and the fact that it was in game 158 and, or sorry, 157 and 156, it sucks, right? Like bad timing, but there's teams that go 48 hours without scoring a run all the time. Do you read anything into that? Or is this just one of those things that happens? Um, I, I know that it probably kicked a lot of people, uh, you know, below the belt when, when it happened. I'm, I'm really of the state where, because of the pitching every single day is, is you just turn the calendar, you just switch over to the next day and say, we got a good chance of winning today. This person's on the mend, right. <laughs> and because of that, because of that every day, you know that you can lean on somebody in that pitching staff to give you a chance to win. It, I, it's, it's a situation where you love, would love to come into the playoffs winning 10 of 12, the offense is firing, but like, like, Bassett said, like, we all know this is the team. They will lose and they will, you know, make you want to put your head in the ground. But this team comes out every single day with a chance to win and they don't let it hang over their heads. You know, uh, they, the, the, pro, the, the production from the offense isn't where you want it to be, but it doesn't stop them from being on point on defense and, and coming out every single night with a chance to win. So, it is discouraging. It's very discouraging. Yeah. To get shut out twice by a, a team that isn't in the playoffs anymore. And they're pretty much playing spoiler, but you can't let it dissuade you. you it does you, show you what pitching can do. Exactly. It does. It absolutely shows you what pitching can do. And King and Cole, all the credit in the world to Garrett Cole. I'm the biggest, I'm not the, maybe, I guess I'm pretty much known as the biggest Garrett Cole hater just for foreign substance, but look at what the guy did in the offseason he went he retooled himself he's at that point in the his career where the the velocity is sl- slowly starting to tick down it's not 99 it's 97 more often but his control is is incredible this year he's worked his cutter in and he has he has learned to pitch more than be the guy who throws 320 k's and and dominates that way we've gone from 320 strikeouts in his most dominant year to a just above 200 strikeout year that's 120 less strikeouts 
but he is the same dominance when it comes to ERA. And that is all pitching that is falling into that stage where you're later on and your, your, your skills may be decreasing, but your mind is as sharp as it's ever been. And kudos to him for stepping in and hey, becoming that guy after four. Seconds. I'm with you, man. And it's funny. Cause I'm the same. I have no love for Garrett Cole, right? No. Like a member <laughs> of the Astros team that was garbage banging, uh, garbage can banging, uh, wearing pinstripes in our division. I mean, how do you like Garrett Cole? And it, it pains me to say this, but it is mind blowing that that contract actually looks pretty good. I mean, if you're going to pick a guy to pay that money to and cross your fingers that you're going to get the results, Garrett Cole's delivering, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, you, you couldn't ask more than a, a 260 ERA throwing a complete game shutout on your, your last game of the season. Too bad the Yankees weren't there for him this year. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. He's or, just or thank goodness they were. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. But it's you gotta you gotta be like one of those situations where you're Garrett Cole and you're like uh, two back to back seasons that weren't maybe up to where you would expect them to be, and then you finally get there, and you're not cheating. You're doing everything you're supposed to do, and the Yankees aren't there for you. But that's the team that they built, right? They built mm-hmm. this all this money in in three places, and if two of those guys aren't on the field for a majority of the season, then Garrett Cole can't carry speaking, by himself. Speaking of those two other contracts, um, I do want your opinion on Gio Carlos Stanton because honestly, dude, I've never seen him look worse. Mm-hmm. He continues to decline. He's got so much money still owing on that contract. Um this was one that stood out to me because like that when they got him out at home, it was like watching slow motion. Like it was just so slow. And I know that uh, uh, StatCast had his foot speed clocked at 5.02 seconds to go those 90 feet. And just to put it in perspective for Blue Jays fans, Alejandro Kirk, does those 90 feet in 4.93 seconds. Wow. The, the, <laughs> the double he hit the other day off the wall um, mm-hmm. where Varsho almost got him at second base. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit like that to land in the gap where you have to go chase it down, turn around, throw. And it's a tenth of a second away from gunning him out. Like he is, his top speed is lollygag. You know, he yeah, truly now. So truly, yeah, it's it is really. Where do you go with that? All that money, and and now you're in a position where you very much have to put judge in DH about 80, 90 games mm-hmm. a year because if he goes and runs into a wall and stubs his toe and he's out for he's too valuable games to not have the season at the plate. The yeah, yeah. So it's like you have to have him hitting and but then you've got Stanton there. So it's, they've, they've backed themselves up on two monstrous beasts who can hit the ball harder than normal humans can. But at the end of the day, did their bodies last for those contracts? Uh, already seems like no. You know. So let's transition here to three studs and a dud. We're going to start with uh, the studs and an honorable mention, just a tip of the hat to Brandon Belt, who has come back off of injury, uh, got two of the only two hits against Garrett Cole in um, Wednesday's game. 
last night, hit a huge three-run bomb. He seems to be kind of getting into uh, playoff form. And this is why Brandon Belt was signed. This is why they brought in a guy who's 35 years old and has two World Series rings. This is a dude who, watching him yesterday, buddy, I was just like, look at how calm he is. Look at how, like, he's just, it could be game three of the season with the loose and easiness of his demeanor. And there is something very valuable there, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. I feel like we're a different team when he's slotted three, four in the lineup. Um, you, you, the, the amount that I missed him when he was gone was like, I, I'm realizing it now, like, oh my God, he's yeah. such a catalyst on this team. Um, and it's it's one of those uh, dice rolls on, you know, he's he's injury prone at this point, but if you can get him rolling into the postseason healthy, right? That's kind of your goal is, is he could be a legit there. number two or three hitter. Like that's the thing. Yes. He has it in him for a short spur if he can stay healthy to be that guy. And it's pretty exciting. Yeah, if you the the pitchy well, like he the pitch he hit yesterday for the three run home run was like 92, 93 down the middle, but the problem is, is we haven't seen Blue Jays punish that pitch this year. And to see him, you know, clear his hips and absolutely rocket that thing. And the, the however, how far did he hit it? I, I It looked oh, like it. Yeah. Has it landed yet? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying is that at the beginning of the year, it was a lot of, it was a lot of base hits and doubles, um, base hits that could have been doubles, but maybe his mm-hmm. legs aren't playing to get him to second base at this point. But but that swing, like the, the home run pop is clearly yeah. there with him right now. And he's he's got all of his strength. So that is something to be very appreciative of. His, his OPS is 840, 850 on the year. Yeah. Um, One of the top being healthy, on the team. Yeah, him being healthy going into the postseason is such such an amazing positive for this team and we need and it. honestly dude a little bit of credit to the blue jays for shutting him down because you know that they were trying to work him through it and i think that even he was like i think i can you know i i, I honestly believe if that was the playoffs brandon bell would have played through what was going mm-hmm. on but uh just having the wherewithal to be like we need this guy we need him as healthy as we can get him let's shut him down for 10 days i think that was excellent and biggio being able to step yeah. in and fill that role and become uh, a friend of the show lewis uh put up a tweet about a week ago saying has been is kevin biggio the new ben zobrist and it's like it's it's a it's a long time waiting for that to happen but mm-hmm. he seems to be very much filling that role. It's funny. Um, it was always the vision for him. It was, it was absolutely always the vision. It's always what I wanted him to end up becoming. And, and, you know, it, it maybe it takes a little bit longer sometimes with left-handed bats, you know, I'm not saying he is fully completely this guy that you can plug in there, you know, next year when Chapman, Chapman, Lucy's our third baseman. I'm not saying that yet, but the fact that he has come in and he has been an absolute grinder, coming off the bench for us this season and giving us everything that we need when oh. he is only taking flack from 80% of the fan base all the time. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm very happy that we've been, they made that decision. Cabin stood up while belt was out and then now belts back and, and things are looking. And it's, it's beautiful. Like, yeah. um, so let's get into the studs here. Now I do wish to just give a fair warning to everyone that yes, they went, 
two games in this week where they were completely shut out and had like a total of six hits. So take that into consideration with these studs. Okay. But stud number three, Dalton Marshall. He had a couple dingers, a couple big doubles, a real big walk. He's running the base path incredibly well this week. It seems to be heating up as the postseason approaches and continues to just be a menace in the outfield. I mean, his defense is every time I watch it, and I know, I know that there's some people that are really down on uh, Dalton because of his season and his lack of offense, but watching it start to come around and what he provides in the outfield has playoffs written all over him. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I was as hard on that trade at the beginning of the year as, as anyone could be, but it's what it is now. The trade is what it, it was. That's the thing. You know, it's, there's, and there's no. Marshall's with us for three more years. Like, yeah, he's a part yeah. of this core. Yeah. yeah. If, if Kiermaier is gone next year, he's your starting center fielder, you know, so it's, you know, it's, and, and the fact that he is so defensively inclined, the fact that he runs so well, that he's willing to drop down a bunt whenever you need him to, as mm. soon as the bat comes around, then he is the player that this team is needed. As soon as that, as, as soon as he hits average, you know, if he pops a 730, 740 OPS, that's absolutely a player that you want on this team and, and, and provides in so many different fashions. So, you know, if he can, uh, if he can come in for the last uh, little bit of the season here on fire, helping us win and then be that guy um, who, you know, uh, plays, let's say two thirds of the time, in the postseason, they feel like there's a matchup that he doesn't set up so great against. And then you, you know, maybe put in Espinal or, or wits playing, but whatever the case may be, he's when he's hitting, then, then he is providing on so many different levels. His defense alone gives him a, a three and a half, four war on the season. So, yeah. Stud number two, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., a couple of dingers. He had seven hits. He had five RBIs. Uh, shut out over those two games, but so was everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you at, Joel, on Vladdy? Are, are you skewing more positive are you seeing because i feel like his swing still isn't where it was but it's a lot better than where it was let's say three months ago yeah yeah um i definitely feel like he is i don't want to say he's fully turned a corner and but he's he's more accepting of things right now i think the emotion is a little bit less last night you saw a little bit of it come out when he was uh struck out and he was slamming his bat but um yeah i'm we we got to a point with vladimir guerrero where we were talking about trading him and getting rid of him in the off season and all that stuff and i think a lot of people are still there i'm always under the mindset that this is a david ortiz situation happening as soon as you get rid of him he cracks 45 somewhere else brings a team to three world series wins over a decade and you're just banging your head against the wall because you didn't have the patience with a guy who's 24 has franchise records uh, at that age with you know what patience did for cabin visio dude yes yeah and um you know there there's a lot of frustration at this age um whether it's uh, the home ballpark situation has been brought up the uh, uh, but i really think it comes down to approach i really come think it came down to that you know he he had a thousand at bats in the league he had figured something out he had that runner-up season then the league adjusted to him 
and they 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 were afraid that this is a bat that will change a game. This is the type of guy who, if he gets that pitch down the middle, he's gonna deposit in the seats. So we really have to pitch low and away. We have to stay away from his power. And whereas uh, Bo is so great at going opposite field, Vladdy hasn't. Vladdy's amazing at going the opposite field, but mm-hmm. he hasn't been so able to whether it's be patient or find that pitch and look for that pitch away right at the beginning. Th- those are very basic things. Those are mentality things, mindset things. If he gets those things right, then he's back to being one of the three best bats in the league for the next 15 years. So I always, you know, you're not the talent in that man doesn't come around every day. So you, when you've got it, you gotta, you gotta be patient with it. You can't just throw it away when, when things aren't looking so great because what might happen is he's carrying another team by himself. So you can't have that. So yeah, I'm, I'm still positive on Vladdy and who knows, maybe the postseason he um, flips the switch when it's everything's on the line and this is what he, maybe he gets into the postseason and he's like, this is what I've been waiting mm-hmm. for for so long. And then he excels again. So maybe Brandon Bell gets hot and takes a little bit of pressure off the kid. I don't know. There's a lot of good things that can happen here. Okay, I think that uh, most people watching this right now already know who stud number one is. He just finished with 7.2 innings last night, 12 Ks, and hit the 200-inning mark. Stud number one, Chris Bassett. Um, He has been incredible, dude. His 23 outings of at least six innings, uh, 10 of them, seven frames or more, allowed the Blue Jays to win pretty much any night. Like, think about where this team would be without Chris Bassett and the face plant that was Alec Manoa this year. The guy has been literally unbelievable. 33 starts this year, 200 innings, man. Like, just 16 wins. Blue Jays franchise history, like, this has happened six times. And the other guys to do this were Roy Halladay and Dave Steeb. Two times... It was Roger Clemens, David Wells, Pat Hankins, Jimmy Key. Like, dude, and the one and for one time, for one time, Jack Morse, AJ Burnett, Chris Bassett. Bassett's 34? Four. 34. First time he's ever done in his career at 34. Um just I I think I texted you guys uh the other day saying i want a safety blanket with chris bassett's yes. face on it yes because he's been that guy all season long like you removed that little cluster at the beginning of the season where he's kind of blown up a little bit and then the the quality starts the innings the innings give the guy endless credit that when he doesn't have this stuff he still goes six you mm-hmm. know he still goes six and it's his job to wear a loss, you know? And they're like, you know, it's so to be that guy who isn't like, Oh, Oh, things aren't going so good for you. We're going to take you out in the second and, and, and run the bullpen bullpen all game guys like that. Their, their ERA gets saved a bit, you know, because they're, they're being, you know, treated with kids gloves when he's having a bad game. They're just like, you know, you've got to pitch a hundred pitches. You're not out of this game until you throw the ball a hundred times, no matter how you're feeling. And for him to get to 200 innings, have a 360 ERA is yeah. Uh, whip is like a, a buck 11, a buck 12, 180 strikeouts in that range. Just to put into perspective, too, Joel, like Garrett Cole leads the AL 
with innings pitched at 209. Chris Bassett is second at 200. Like, it is incredible the amount of innings this man is eating. Paying him uh, 11, 12 million less than Garrett. And, uh, you know, it's... It has truly been uh, for the negativity that I give for signings in the movement for uh, Atkins and Shapiro. This this signing has fantastic signing. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I, I'm and it's it funny because we are starting to see. We are starting to see. Yes, obviously Shapiro and Atkins has their uh, downfalls, but when it comes to recognizing and going in on pitching. Their record is pretty darn good, man. Like, oh. they could have went, and I know you were really against, like, you weren't against it, but you were pro-Robbie Ray, and you were surprised that for they let him walk for $5 million and went after Gosman, and now it's obvious that that was obviously their target all along. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and my goodness, like, has it ever worked out? Uh, Yusei Kikuchi has been just... I mean, everyone was like, what a waste of money when they first went out and got him. And he has been every, I mean, for 10 million, I know it was a front loaded contract. So yes, they did pay him 16 million last year and it didn't really work out. But I mean, for 10 million this year and 10 million next, the amount of value that dude has, even if they decide to do something crazy and, and, and move him in the off season for something of, of more, uh, uh, more need, right. Offense, but the the value he has for that money that they're paying him right now is through the roof. It's been so impressive them being able to bolster this bullpen. And yes, I know that the bullpen has been uh, their Achilles heel in 2021. A year that still kills me to talk about not as much as you, I know, but like it's up there as just a like, Oh, what a dagger that year was to watch them with such a potent offense lose, but because of the bullpen, but it's good that this front office learned their lesson, right? Like even going out and spending two of their top pitching prospects on Jordan Hicks this year is something I don't think we would have seen them do even 12 months ago. Yeah. And their, their trust in, in the Pete Walker coming in with like guys like Genesis Cabrera, yeah. um, the, the time that it takes to get Kikuchi ready, you know, it took a year, it yeah. took a year to get past, the communicative barrier um, to put him into that mentality of, of being like a, what Pete Walker did with like a J hat previously, like the, he's a lefty uh, pitching whisperer, right? He, he takes lefties and he just magically gets them to the top of their p- potential. Right. And which just the- really makes it so much better for the blue Jays to go out and get a guy on a one-year contract to try and rebuild them, right? Because now there's pictures out there that are like, maybe I do want to work with Pete Walker. Look at what he's done for Kikuchi and Robbie Ray and some of these other pitchers that has completely revitalized their career and made them millions of dollars after that one year. So I think it does have a lot of value just watching these guys have rebound years and have rebounds in their career for what this front office can go out and do in the off season. Yeah. And, and you, you got to know your strengths. You um, at, at the same time, maybe that tells you that if you are so trustworthy in your pitching coach, that maybe having a hitting coach that you're trusting <laughs> is, is something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just goes to show that they know where their talent lies in player development. And uh, they're able to look at somebody and say, 
we can tinker that and make it incredibly valuable. And we can trade pieces that, you know, they don't help us right now. The the return seems small, but as soon as we get that player, you know, in, in a Blue Jays uniform, we, we can tweak them and, and you, you'll you watch those ERAs just fall off the table the way, uh, you know, uh, Genesis again is... Mm-hmm. As soon as he comes over here, he goes on a stretch of 16 innings where he's not giving up a run, right? So it's just like, you know that there's a, a, a switch being flicked on these pitchers. And the fact that we can flick that switch with, with talent is is a great boost for this organization. And you got to give them props. Couldn't agree more. Stud one, Chris Bassett, well-deserved this week. Absolutely. Okay, now for a little bit more negativity. And I think what we're going to do is when I say this, Dud, we'll just move our one topic up, which I'm giving it away here. The dud this week has been Matt Chapman. And outside of that solo home run last night, he is, well, with that solo home run, he's one for 18 in his last six games. He has seven strikeouts in that time. He's taken one walk. He hasn't moved a runner up. He hasn't provided literally anything offensively dude like it is mind-blowing the slump that this guy is in um hopefully that solo home run shot gets him going a little bit here but matt chapman dud this week dud absolutely dud and and starting to get uh in my head uh concepts of prima donna after that poll after he was pulled yeah and then he was left and i know he's frustrated yeah, no, completely frustrated. And then he had a, a clutch hit kind of right after that. But since then, maybe he's sitting there with the, you know, you know, upturned nose and he has the, maybe the respect in the, the locker room is down because he feels like he's been disrespected. He's never been pinch hit before. How dare you do that to me? And, and maybe that's in his head a little bit more too. But uh, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. And that, you know, that home run he hit yesterday was, it was it was nice. He went opposite field. He had a little bit of power behind it, but uh, I I don't think that that's something that you're magically going to see happen every second game now. Where I I still feel like he's right in the middle of this massive slump since May. He had an incredibly hot April, and it really I think Matt Chapman really goes to show you that you can look at the numbers that the guy has at the end of the year you can look at the back of his baseball card but that that ops doesn't tell you the entire story no. especially when a guy puts up like one really legitimate month and then kind of sandbags it for the the remaining five on a contract year where he's seemingly healthy he's come back from hip injury you would think that the power would be on full display this year mm-hmm. and it wasn't so yeah it is I don't know if I've ever seen somebody go into their free agent year and absolutely tank their value as much as Matt Chapman has this year. Like, let's dive in deep here because Manny Machado re-opt on his contract with the Padres in the offseason. And at that point, Matt Chapman and Scott Boris had to have been doing backflips and high fives because that just put him to the top of a very, very valuable positions free agent class. Right, The hot corner, it is a tough position to play. We've watched 
when Kevin Biggio was struggling at third and, and what a detriment it can be to a team to have somebody who can't make those plays day in and day out. And that's one thing that Matt Chapman has done, but honestly, Joel, I'm almost at the point where I'm like, you know what? Fuck defense. I don't even give a shit what he's providing there anymore. Like you can't have someone at a position like third base that is normally known to provide some power, provide some RBIs and be one of those guys in that, in that, two to six spot in the lineup range. And that's what Chapman was last year. I was fine with what Chapman did in 2022. But it has been just a face plant. Like I can't even, again, I can't think of a comparable though. Like I just can't. And it's almost at the point, and I'm going to get your opinion on this in a second here. So MLB Rob Manfred came out and announced that the qualifying offer is getting a bump this year. So it was 18 and a half million last year. It is now going to be $20.5 million. Of course, the qualifying offer is a one-year deal. Um, and if he d- turns it down, there are now draft picks attached to him in his free agent year, which is even more detrimental after <laughs> what he has just done for this season. Now that said, Araldis Martinez sitting in the weeds in AAA, he has really come around with his bat. His average is much higher than it was. He's not just hitting for power anymore. You're seeing a lot more uh, versatility out of his bat, hitting doubles, hitting singles, getting on a little bit more. Uh, 22 years old next year. So he's still incredibly young. Addison Barger is also on the bubble of this big league team. And he plays a pretty solid third base. Again, again, right? Turning 25, hasn't played in the majors yet. David Schneider plays third base and has probably earned himself a good look as an everyday player coming out of spring training, whether it's second or third base or a combo of the two. Does Matt Chapman make sense on a one-year qualifying offer, even if they're paying him freaking $10 million more than probably they should be uh, just to have some of that. It's for safety purposes, almost right. Having a guy, you know, at least defensively is going to be there while these kids try to find their footing. Can you see the Jays offering qualifying offer and being prepared to bring Matt Chapman back if he takes it? And even further into this discussion, can you see Scott Boris allowing him to take this offer, like Scott Boris isn't an idiot, right? Twenty million dollars is still not a bad pay payday for a guy who has just provided almost nothing from May first on. I I think that it's very possible. Um, looking like at what we pay him, I think we're paying him something in the twelve to fifteen yeah. million range is what we're at. So, so it's they a, it's they five million dollars. Out. It was it was two years twenty five mil last year. Yeah. So yeah. So twelve. So, yeah, so it's a you're talking about a seven and a half million dollar bump. Um, that doesn't kill us. Um, provides Boris, a safety net. Yeah, and and Boris is in a situation where, like, you know, he's he's looking not only at uh, a third baseman who is the only third baseman available, but he's looking at like the Mets and the Yankees both need a third baseman. They're mm-hmm. willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money to fill that spot. And you've got a client here who's not, you know, filling those shoes of they're like, oh, well, maybe we don't want to pay for that guy. If he's hitting eighth on the blue Jays right now. Um, so yeah. It should have been for months 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Should have been hitting it for, for absolutely for months. And yeah, it's do, do I want to do it? Um, I think I'm at the point where I would be fine with the youth trying to take that step and fill it with, with Barger, Biggio, Martinez next year, try to kind of like just rotate around and, and, and make it like a merry-go-round at third. Um, I, I can, I can, I'm almost as comfortable doing that as re-upping with Chapman. I do like the one-year deal though, to say we've been really good with one-year deals in the history of this team recently. Uh, Chapman, uh, Shapiro, Atkins have been good with one-year deals. So to say, here's a one-year deal, you get to prove yourself and then potentially, you know, reevaluate yourself as being that $200 million player. If you can put up 25 to 28 homers and, uh-huh. You know, it gives you a chance to reload the bullet on your free agency. And that that could be very beneficial for both parties, right? If Chapman says, you know what, I a one-year deal gives me a chance to sign at 31, five years, 160, 170 million. It, it it's yeah, it's it's good for both both parties involved. Um, do I want it to happen? I don't know. Like I said, I I've had that sour taste in my mouth for him. We've there are a lot of question marks and you kind yeah. of mentioned it earlier. And the big question mark is what does that clubhouse think of Matt Chapman? What is the relationship like there? Because this is all speculation. And my, the, the safest bet is that they're fine. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. And the thing with bringing Matt Chapman back, I'd be all for it, but I want zero rope given. Right. Like if one of these kids knock them off, sorry, we're just overpaying a bench piece. That's going to be a defensive stalwart when we need him. Maybe he can come in late in games for a kid like a Martinez that you just know is going to take some time to learn how to play the hot corner in the big leagues. It's just a big, and then, like Addison Barger, same thing. Right. Yeah. And then um, halfway in the season, we trade him. You know, halfway through the season, yeah. a, a team loses a third baseman and we go, you know what? We've got somebody who's playing it just fine. Buy Matt Chapman and you, and you deal. And if Matt Chapman comes out and has a huge year and proves himself, that's just a bonus, right? Like, great. But uh, I think it is time for the Blue Jays, because you look at the open market, there's not a lot out there for third baseman. I think it is time to give an internal option a chance at this, especially considering some of their top prospects are viable third baseman options. So You can do a platoon. Yeah, an opportunity to platoon with with Biggio there, running Biggio. I, I think the other reason why I'm a lot more comfortable is because Biggio's defense over the last six weeks, two months has best I've ever my seen. Eyes. Yeah, it's best I've really ever seen. Dude. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm very Cavan stepping in and, and making plays, diving plays, and, and gunning guys out. I'm like, that looks very Chapman esque. Mm-hmm. So, especially when you look back on 2021 and what a defensive liability he was at yes. third base, and he was never really known for his defense. It was about his versatility, and you can just tell the amount of work and effort and time he has put in to that side of the game, that aspect of baseball, right? His glove side of things. Because, man, I was really nervous when they started playing him at third base, and now I feel silly. <laughs> Yeah, I saw some of the best plays at third base from Kevin Biggio. Yeah. Right? Like, if you do a highlight up. reel of third base this year, you know, 30% of the plays are from Kevin Biggio. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the AL playoff situation. Things are starting to clear up. Absolutely a huge win from the Jays. Obviously, Jays fans were really hoping that the Mariners would drop that game yesterday, and they wound up coming back and getting the win. But right now, the Jays' magic number still sits at two. And if they can get a win tonight against Tampa, all they need is either Seattle or Houston to lose. And they are in. So they can clinch tonight. They have also eliminated the chance of them being ousted from the playoffs before Sunday. So even if they lose these first two games, they still have the option of pulling out their ace, Kevin Gosman, for game 162. Nightmare scenario. <laughs> But the fact that they've given themselves the chance to go down with their best on the hill is something. Yes. Um, Baltimore clinched yesterday, so the Rays now have very little to play for outside of. Uh, they're going to go into the mode of matching up their pitching for what they want in the wild card, resting their top guys. Uh, the Rays are very injured right now as well. So I think they're going to do the best they can to kind of get that lineup right to the best of their ability. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at right now. So we're going to skip right into the matchups. How does this Jays team match up against these teams? And who do you want? I know we talked a little bit about it off the top of the show. Tampa Bay, again, just to reiterate, very injured. The Rays find a way, but how many bullets do they have, Joel? Like, listen, I'm, I'm, I give all the credit and respect in the world to the Rays organization because they do constantly find a way to have the next man up. Their pitching has been devastated all year. They literally have Cy Young candidates on the injured list, not just one, multiple. Tyler Glasnow is back, but hasn't looked quite like the Tyler Glasnow that we remember from 2021 yet he's looking good, but he's not that elite ace that maybe we all remember. Minnesota's pitching is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I can see Sonny Gray going eight innings and being unhittable. Yep. But Minnesota also just, I mean, they're hitting recently, which mm -hmm. is when you Royce Lewis their, is hitting grand slams every second game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the greatest hitter of all time, Royce Lewis. Uh, <laughs> um, but you look at their numbers, and honestly, dude, from April to August, hitting has been very much like the Blue Jays and like the Mariners. They're Achilles' seal, but they've heated right up. Do we want any part of Minnesota? That's I, I really feel like it's um, – uh, I'm not so scared of Tampa right now. I feel like they're a 500 team um, since the last four months of the uh, baseball. They they've just they pretty much got to their uh, 20 games, 25 games over 500 very early on in the season, and like the middle of May. <laughs> yeah, and then have remained there as a pretty much 500 baseball team since. Right, so yeah. I don't feel the fear, especially that series that we just saw the Jays play against Tampa. I don't. That fear isn't there. Um, I don't think that they stack up against us, especially pitching. Um, their bats have been incredibly depleted. Your your franchise player, the player that you put all of your hopes and dreams into, the one time they've ever done it, comes and bites them in the ass, and and you don't have that player anymore. And 
So it's it's a it's a big situation. They've they've, they've got some talent like Yandy Diaz and uh, Isak Paredes are smashing the ball, but like at the same time, I'm not afraid of Tampa. I'm just not. And um, might be so the I, first I honestly, time I've ever. I, I agree with that. I mean, these are famous last words from Blue Jays yes, fans. But yeah, absolutely famous last words. But I'm. It's this team just doesn't Tampa. Tampa, if they if they truly scared me, they would have scared me in that three game series where they're still fighting for the division, right? Because they were still fighting. They was they still wanted to be first place, and we came in there and for the, you know, all of one inning, we should have, you know, we should have beat that team twenty seven straight innings and and win three in a row. And so I'm not I'm not afraid. I'm not. And I um, so it's it's a very similar situation to us going into Minnesota or or Tampa. I know the history says that we should be afraid of Tampa, but it's just that team isn't that scary. Well, I keep saying, man, demons are meant to be exercised, buddy. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's time. <laughs> yeah. The Rays have had their run against us. Let's end it here in 2023. So we I'm kind of with you. We own a two game series, you know, uh, sweep. And we, you know, I, I'm, I'm as much of a cynic on this team as there has been all year long, but to be in this position and you just pull back a little bit and you look, you go, we can beat Minnesota and we can beat Tampa and we can beat Texas and Baltimore has our number and we can beat Houston. So it's just like, I'm, I, I, I'm not, my, my enthusiasm isn't through the roof saying, Oh yeah, we got a world series here, but Jays can beat the teams in the American league that we're up. We're going to fix. We can beat them. Before we move on to the final topic and just get into this Tampa Bay series, this final series of the year, I do want your opinion on a general um, narrative from a portion of the fan base, which is this team doesn't hit when they do. It's a little bit luck-based and they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, Joel, is there any way that a 90-win team is luck-based? Or is that just completely off base? I think people with that opinion, because I'm one of those people who is, um, you know, we had an offensive juggernaut and we've shifted it to a defensive and pitching. Juggernaut. Sure. Yes. Right. And so it's, it's, it's a shift. It's a shift in watching your team succeed one way and it being a very exciting way you're putting three run homers up on the board and everybody's cheering and you're putting 10 spots up and you're blowing teams out of the water and you're happy from beginning to end. It's, it's a very grindy wins now, you know, you've been through nine, everybody has a piece. You use three guys out of the bullpen who come in and shut down those later innings and you win it as a, as, as a team, as opposed to the, uh, one guy would absolutely tee up, tee up a ball and, and you'd win off of a guy hitting two home runs that day. You know, like it was, it was very much, you know, let any massive piece of the offense win for you that day. Now it feels like it's a very team based win when, when they get that win, when they're sitting there at the end of the day, one run higher, it's because, you know, the defense was on point. The pitching was great from the starter all the way through to the back end. And so we're not in that position where we need to be the flashy offense anymore. But um, so it's it's really just an identity shift, I think, that get a lot of people agitated is because they, they saw how we used to win it. They, they saw how exciting it was. And now it's not. And 
but there's you, you can't win 90 games in this in especially in the AL East by luck. You can't do that. And you can't. And it's <clears throat> it's just This so is such a good point, Joel. I really like the framing of what you're saying because you're right. Like this fan base has been the most negative on a winning team that I can ever remember. And I, I think it's a really good point about the shift in how they're doing it. And it just feels so different from what we're used to, especially considering this franchise has been a home run power-based franchise for over a decade, right? Like when we watched their, them succeed in 2015 and 2016, my God, dude, in 2015, Josh Donaldson had 42 home runs. Jose Batista had 42 home runs and Edwin Encarnacion had 39. Like they pretty much, they had like over 120 home runs in their two to four hitter. I mean, Vladdy's at 26 home runs. Nobody's, I, 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 maybe someone in the grounds crew can help us out here. When was the last time the Blue Jays didn't have a 30 home run hitter? Cause I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, the COVID shortened season. No, I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> Stupid answer. No, it's true. We are the, that team that rolls that top heavy offense that you go one through four and you're usually dealing with, with, with guys that are absolutely slugging the offense. It's is easy to like this type of team when they're the opposition, because I remember last year watching Cleveland and so many people were like, oh, man, Cleveland's such a fun team. I would love it if the Jays were a little bit more like Cleveland. And now that we are, everyone's like, oh, this is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. You know, it's the, the home run shift is, is 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 really it's just it is. It's just a wild way of, you know, we won. We used to win this way and now we win this way. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's an identity shift. And. We have to get over it, and if they can win, then what does it matter if if they can win? You know how how they do it shouldn't matter as much as the fact that they are winning. So let's just shift in how we uh, get it done. It kind of reminds me of the two thousand four Calgary Flames, right? And they were a trap based team. They hadn't won in forever, and I'm a diehard Flames fan. And that team, man. Like they won two, one, three, two, almost every game. And it was grind them out hockey. It was ugly. And it, I loved it, but like, it wasn't fun hockey to watch. Right. And, and, and that was actually the team that in, inspired the NHL to crack down on the trap in 2005 and like eliminate so many of, uh, so many of those rules of the clutching and grabbing and stuff. And that's kind of the, identity of this Toronto Blue Jays team this year is like beat them in the corners, right? I mean, to, to take a hockey reference, like it's really uh defensive base. I mean, we went over the pitching stats already earlier in the show. Like it is insane what this pitching and defense is doing. And I know that when the front office attempted to make this team more defensive orientated, I don't think they expected the pendulum to swing quite this far, but now that it is, we just got to play it out. Like, obviously, there's there's going to be some tweaks in the offseason. You agree with that, right? Even if they go deep on a run, there's some offensive things yeah. that need to be addressed, correct? Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I think we all know that they shifted a little bit too much defensively. But at the same time, it hasn't – we're winning. Um, would it have been nice to win a few more games with, with, with a home run, you know, and – 
Yeah. Yes. But um, you, you have to play the cards that you've dealt yourself right now. And in the off season, they may make a few changes to shift it kind of a little bit more of a happy medium of offense and defense. But uh, to their credit, they found a way to win with offense. And now they found a way to win with defense. And there was only, there was, there was no time in between. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've, and um, yeah. It's just, funny. Cause I've hit kind of the acceptance side of the scale you know, like I obviously everyone went through the denial and went through the, the bargaining and went through all of these different stages. And I'm at acceptance. Here we are, game 160 tonight against the Rays. This team is what it is. And I'm actually impressed with some of the fan base that hasn't hit that step yet. You know, they're still they're still like trying to come to terms with the fact that this team is so differently built than it was last year. But what do you do? Like I, I think even the players, it took time for them to get to that kind of point where they're like, you know what? This is who we are, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's the other difference is that in previous years, you were, you were cheering that entire lineup. You were cheering one through nine and the lineup is what fueled you day to day. You're like, I can't wa- wait to watch that lineup. Now it's now your enthusiasm is shifted towards the pitcher on that night. It's not nine guys who are like, I can't wait to watch that lineup kick ass tonight. I'm looking forward to Barrios, Kikuchi, Bassett, uh, um, Gosman, and I'm looking forward to the pitching. Ryu, I'm looking forward to who's going to pitch tonight. So you've mm-hmm. shifted from, oh, we're going to kick their ass and we're, we're going to slug the, the shit out of whoever we're playing against to my hopes and prayers are on one guy on the mound locking it down tonight, us getting a few clutch hits and winning 3-2. So, like I said, it's it, it used to cheer for nine. Now we cheer a lot more for one. I'm not mm-hmm. saying we don't cheer for the lineup, but our our feelings of victory and what makes us competitive has shifted very much to a singular person and the defense as opposed to that lineup. Exactly. In love with that lineup. It is funny how often a Jays win happens and the conversation afterwards is, my God, that catch by Kevin Kiermeyer, or my goodness, that performance from Jordan Romano, or my God, can you believe what Tim Mesa did? It is, it, it, it's, it, you're right. There isn't the, the one through nine love that there was last year. Okay, let's get into uh, this Tampa Bay series. We'll wrap things up with that. Uh, Kikuchi lining up tonight against Aaron Savali. Uh, Hinjin Ryu with his final start of the year against Zach Lytle. And then question mark game three, Kevin Gosman is lined up. Obviously they will probably call up Bowden Francis or do a bullpen day or, or whatever they wind up doing. I think Gauze is lined up for game one of the wild card as long as they don't completely face plan. Like again, the, they're almost in at this point, right? Magic number two. So any combo of two losses from Houston or Seattle or two wins from the Jays or one and one in any way. And the Jays are in. Yeah. I, I really feel like that. Uh, the the team has an opportunity to kind of remedy uh, not, not just like this is hindsight is, is 2020 of course, but the idea of Manoa starting game one being our opening day starter, if we can get those two wins tonight, mm-hmm. So that we know that Gosman is 
got the the ball. That's what we're playing for right now. Yeah. We're playing for Gosman being our first starter um, in the postseason, starting game one of the postseason. So that's like the Jays may, um, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot to play for right there. You want that so much. And uh, you don't want to be going into last, that last day with, with a, a question mark. So, um, and it allows us to, you know, I, I know I'm going to be a lot, a lot of stress will be relieved knowing that Gosman is starting that opening game. Um, that's where we need to be, right? He's our he's our guy. He's the one we're paying that big money to, and it kind of lets us, like I said, exercise the demons. We've talked about that tonight of maybe putting people in that situation that weren't ready for it, and we definitely know that Gosman is ready for it. So. Let's end on this. Chris Bassett, starter number two. Yeah. Yeah. He's just been so good in September. Like he has literally ramped up as the year has gone on. And I think that he probably is the guy that they should go with there. I think he's gotten better as soon as the rotation became a five man and they were able to get that little bit of extra time. He was, yeah. he was talking about it middle of the season, how taxed those starters were. They were never able to get that extra day whenever they had it. And, um, and since the starting rotation filled out, He's been able to get that proper rest. He's been absolutely electric. And and he's, you know, if he's firing on all cylinders, he gets you into the eighth. I know that that's wild to think of in the postseason. Yeah. But, but he's a guy who can, it, when he's firing on all cylinders, he can get you into the eighth inning. And that is just, that is so much when it comes to postseason. And listening to him speak about last year's playoffs and how much it has stuck with him and how yeah. much it has eaten him up. Like, I had no idea that this was something that was in his brain for the last, like, 12 months, right? So I think just with the bulldog in him that he has been this year for the team. I know it's the hound, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> so... uh I think you got to go with Bassett. So, and you know what? Jose Barrios in a game three, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it too. I, uh, Bassett though is really the 200 innings. The yeah. fact that he's gone 200 innings and he still seems like he's, 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 he's peaking at 200 innings. He's not running out of fumes. Exactly. Barrios has kind of looked like he's, you know, he's a little bit taxed here in his mm -hmm. last few starts. And, yeah. and maybe he's not, you know, he, he gets to the end of the season. Maybe he's running on, on, on fumes, but doesn't look like Bassett is. It's that big and one thing about Barrios that I think will benefit the Jays in a, in a short series is Barrios has looked really good in any first three innings of this month. Yeah. He always seems to hit a wall in the fourth. And if that happens in the playoffs, you've got Yusei Kikuchi in the pen who could go a couple of innings and then bridge that gap to the bullpen. I think that Brios may have a short leash, but I think that what he can provide in those innings he does pitch will be solid. Especially if you, you can take Kikuchi and dissect uh, lefty heavy bats, you know, at, at, at when you get mm -hmm. to that part, you know, in the fifth, you got, you know, Three of the next four guys are, are lefties. Let's bring in Kikuchi to attack that spot. Saves Meza for later. And I, yeah, it, everything's just lines up really, really well with having those five starters and being able to kind of shift one into that extended Ross Stripling role and, and just know that you've got that three ERA backup pitcher sitting there for your, uh, in, in case one of your starters doesn't go. 
uh, yeah. for. So it's it's a good position to be in. Absolutely. Let's end it on that, Joel. Go Blue Jays, go. We really appreciate you stepping in and filling in for Mr. Mac, buddy. Always a pleasure to to chat baseball with you, my friend. Uh, Before I let you go, are you free on Sunday? We're going to put you on the spot here. Can you make a long toss work, our last long toss before the playoffs? Yes. Awesome. I'll be there. All right. To everyone in the grounds crew, thank you so much for following along. Hit that like button. Subscribe if you have not. And we will see you all on Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Walk-Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.